And welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Indiana Football Coaches Association's official podcast. I'm your host, Coach Dave Baumgartner, and we're going to start a summer series that we have entitled Legends of the Fall. Now, we're not talking about the movie. We're talking about real legends of the fall in Indiana high school football. This week, you're going to be introduced to six of these legends, and joining in our discussion are legends in their own right, Coach uh, Bob Bridge and Coach Dave Land, of course, Hall of Famers in their own right. And my very own podcast partner and Hall of Famer, Coach Ted Huber, will also be joining into the discussion. So we're looking forward to talking about that. And we'll also uh, have an incredible discussion about uh, what it takes to be a legendary coach in high school football in the state of Indiana. So it's going to be a great look back in our legendary history of our sport in the state of Indiana. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. Okay, coaches, it's summer camp season, which means you might be in the market for some camp t-shirts or maybe camp awards, coaching shirts and shorts, maybe even a mini football for all your young campers. Well, Big Cat Promotions has all of this and much, much more. With over 100,000 products available, our designers can come up with something that's unique just for you. Items that will create a lasting impression on your future high school players. Big Cat Promotions can give you a quote so you can shop and compare. Call me, the Big Cat, at 574-551-5916, and let's have a super summer camp session. 574-551-5916. Big Gap Promotions is a proud sponsor of the IFCA podcast. And welcome back, everyone, to our summer series, Legends of the Fall. And Coach Huber, I'm going to let you pick it up from there and also introduce our special guest for today. Yeah, we're going to have... Dave Land and Bob Bridge, two old-timers who I think know as much about high school football in Indiana as anybody. And we're going to discuss 14 deceased coaches who have uh, at least 200 wins. And the way they're set up, the one that's got the most wins first, and then we'll go on down the list. So uh, Dave Land and Bob Bridge, we really appreciate this. And we will use your expertise. Um, I'll start out talking about Don Howe from Hobart, since he's got the most wins. And then we'll kind of open it up a little bit and let anybody, you know, comment that wants to. And then we'll go from there. Are there any questions? No, I'm good. Let's go for it. All right. Okay. First one. We want to talk about is Don Howe, 314 wins and 73 losses in his lifetime career, okay? He's a 1953 graduate of Hobart High School. He's a 1958 graduate of Indiana University, three-year letter winner at Indiana, and in fact, I think they have an offensive line award named after Don Howe at Indiana. Mm-hmm. Okay. Donnie Howe had four state championships. He had eight or nine uh, state runner-ups. Seemed like he was there almost every year. And this is not really an official title for him, but he's kind of like the father of weightlifting uh, as it relates to football. 
Uh, I was tongue in cheek one time, made a comment that, you know, he screwed it up for all of us uh, because when he started his team's lifting weights and then everybody else had to do it. And uh, that's what started the 24 seven. So anyway, uh, Donnie Howe, uh, 314 started in 1966. I think he went till 98. And then, uh, tragically only a year later, uh, he passed. So, uh, anyway, we're open for discussion about Don out. Well, first of all, that record 314 and 73, that that's remarkable. And second of all, when I was a young coach in Lowell, Indiana, uh, back in, uh, uh, let's see, 76 or so, I was aware of him and I met him a couple of times, but just in passing, I mean, he didn't know who I was, but, uh, and he was, he was a legend up there and, uh, you just didn't talk Hobart football unless you used his name somehow. So, uh, that's what little I know about him, but, uh, what a record that's, that's incredible. But, but Ted, I think you hit it right on the head when you talked about the weightlifting because there isn't any doubt that uh, he was a leader in that. And I think if you think back to some of those early playoffs, when we had the early playoffs, there was it seemed like there was always a Duneland Conference team battling for a state title. And a lot of it is because they had to get on board with the weightlifting to be able to compete with Don, you know. <laughs> so. That really, you know, really did set the stage there. There ain't any doubt about that. Wow, that's remarkable, Coach Bridge. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I have a couple. I'm sure he, he the Bricky coach, mm-hmm. Bricky. I mean, Holbert Bricky uh, is related synonymously and attached to Dog Out. I remember back in '92. Uh, I was fortunate to be the North head coach for the All-Star. So I went to Region 1 when they were selecting the All-Stars. So he, uh, back then they had the most valuable player. So Bricky was on the team as MVP from that region. So then I went up to him and I said, Coach Howe, um, if Holbert gets two players, which of these, the guard or the kicker? And he says, what do you mean <laughs> if they get two players? <laughs> he was emphatic. It was just a given that they're going to get two players. And it ended up, um, we picked the kicker, Bill Manopolis, when he went to IU. But he he is he's the epitome of Ricky football. Absolutely. You All know, right. there, was a, there was a tight band here. From night about twenty years, from nineteen seventy-eight to ninety-seven. Get this record: from nineteen seventy-eight to ninety-seven, his record was two hundred thirty-one wins and thirty-one losses. Wow, wow. that's mind-boggling. That really yes. is, especially yeah. up in that area. Yes, and you're talking about the Doonland here. And if you will check uh, in the Duneland from 1978 to 1997, he had eight 6-0 records in the Duneland in a row. Wow. Okay, so 
for one person to dom- dominate that league like he did, yes. mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's you know, it's why he's at the top of the list. Right. No question yeah. about it. Wow. Yes. You know. All right. Well, that's there's uh, one last thing here. Uh, he won 14 Goodland Conference championships, by the way, and um, it's kind of a interesting. I don't know what whether this is interesting or not, but anyway, his last game that he coached at Hobart, he got beat by the Plymouth Rockies. Oh wow! No, <laughs> no, oh, I know. What does that say? I don't. I'm not sure what that says. Wow. <laughs> so any. All right, Donnie Howe, uh, without question, um, a leader among men and uh, a Holbert Bricky from through and through. No question. You bet. Yes. Did you, Bob? You wanna you wanna go ahead and, and tell us a little, what he said to you when you? Okay. What what he yeah. what he said about yeah. the game? We, we we were in the the state finals in 1993. And so we're going to play West Washington at Friday at noon. Well, the Hobart Rickies were going to play the next day. And we were sharing the same locker room. So when our kids from North Miami went, I said, don't you dare touch any of those gold and purple jackets over on the other side of the room. (laughs) And so I went out the end zone while our kids were getting dressed. And the Rickies were scrimmaging. They were scrimmaging. I mean, <laughs> live contact at the dome for the game the next day. Wow! They came in. Our kids saw them bleeding from the elbows and all that. <laughs> so I said, "Don't touch! Don't touch!" So I'm in the end zone. Tom Kerr comes out. Said, "Coach Bridge, hey, congratulations and all this." So Don Howe comes out later. Coach Bridge, he says, "I saw film." I said, no, you didn't. He says, no. So somehow I saw film. He said, you are the 1A Rickies. I said, oh, I wow. hugged him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. That might be a compliment that our football program ever got. Mm-hmm. Then he grabbed my, my left forearm and squeezed it, and I almost buckled to my knees. <laughs> and he said, he said, coach, you're the first game. The North better win. He started off. <laughs> I mean, he was firm, <laughs> yeah. but our kids are playing in the state championship. We're glad to be here, and it was like a civil war. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Never forget that. I'll never forget that. And he was yeah. he was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 92, Ted. Is that right? It does say that. 92, I think. And like I said, tragically passed only a year after he retired. Yeah, that's too bad. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's too bad. Okay, who's next, David? Well, uh, I've got uh, Leland Etzler. You got him. And he's a 20, or excuse me, his record, I'm going to off my card a little bit. Uh, his record is 287 and 117. And uh, pretty amazing there. Um, he is a Mon- Monroeville High School, is where he went to uh, high school at. Went to Ball State University, a proud Cardinal. And uh, accolades and honor include high school basketball captain and high school track MVP, a track guy. Uh, never played football. That's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. I- ICA, uh, COI, ICA, COI. IFCA. Oh, IFCA. Oh, Coach of the Year. Okay. That's your acronym there. Okay. Uh, Ball State uh, Alumni Coach of the Year. 
And he coached at Woodland over there by Fort Wayne for 43 years. Uh, he was head coach from 1965 to 2004, 39 years as head coach at Woodland. And uh, he came into the Hall of Fame in 2001, and uh, he passed away fairly recently in uh, 2018. So pretty remarkable guy and uh, over there by Fort Wayne and playing in and around that league. Yeah, we got uh, Bridge and I have wounds <laughs> to prove to you. <laughs> yes, yeah, he was coaching over there. Go ahead, Bob or Dave. Go ahead. Well, I think I think the big thing about Leland was he was such a gentleman. You know, he was coaching for the right reason. He was coaching his kids to learn lessons in life, and that's why he was able to stay there as long as he was. Because people in that community they wanted their kids to play for Coach Esler, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess I didn't know that he did not play football um, and never played football. I didn't realize that. So to me, that's a great accomplishment uh, for what he was able to do, and. Uh, I'm sure, you know, he was a great student of the game. And even though you haven't played the sport, why you can be a student of the game and still be very successful. And he's definitely proof of that. So a great gentleman, a great gentleman. Okay, three stories. Okay, great. Number one, he was Terry Hefner's high school coach. Okay. Okay. Number two, if you ever coached against him like Ted and I, at the end of the game, your stats – would almost double theirs. But if you looked at the scoreboard, they won. Huh. They, I mean, you could outrush them. We didn't outpass them, but you could outrush them, but they would win. And they wore the Penn State blue and white, no names, uh, nothing fancy. Mm-hmm. Lee Etzler ended up, his son ended up being a longtime coach at Cherubusco. The third story when you mentioned he didn't play football. I heard him speak at a clinic in Fort Wayne. When he interviewed for the job and got the job, he got the sixth, the, the maze defense, the offense, maze blocking offense, read that book, and that was his textbook for his offense. Mm-hmm. Matt DeLong was his assistant, who was also a track coach at Woodland. Uh, and they read the 6-1 invert. And those two books were their Bibles, and they didn't deviate from that. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have bad um, habits from playing football. Right. They got it out of those two books. Mm-hmm. And he was, as Uncle Dave said, a gentleman uh, and so forth, pure football expert mm-hmm. from learning and did it that way, and it didn't deviate from those textbooks. Uh, for all thirty, for all thirty-nine years, that's what he did. Yes. Wow. Yes, and he's class. He, he, he's he's an icon. Don sure. Howe's an icon. Neil Lancer's an icon mm-hmm. in East Allen. Well, I think also uh, just in my observation of uh, through the years, football coaches that do have great success, um, they 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 stay with their script. They don't vary from it much, and I think that that's. Yeah. That's true. That's just true. Good, so. good point, Dave. Good point. All right. Yeah, he was in, inducted in 2001 uh, into the Hall of Fame. He uh, passed away in 2018. Here's a couple interesting stats about his career. He was the third coach at Woodland. Okay. And uh, I think it was in 1962. And after the first year, after the first season, the next six 
he won the Allen County Championship. Oh, wow. The next six in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, that six defense drove you crazy. <laughs> One yeah. Basically, because nobody else used it. Right. right. Okay. And you really didn't, you really couldn't, you know, uh, decide how to, how to go against it. And, uh, like, uh, Bob said, that's what he did. He just did it and did it and did it. And, um, that's, you know, that's the name of that tune, mm-hmm. so to speak. All right. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, tournament wise, he never had great success. He got beat in the state finals, I think, in 1981. Yes. By Dave Enright and the Hamilton Southeastern Royals. Mm. Yes. And Enright, just like you, Bob, ran the score up on him. Really? Yes. His score was seven to six. (laughs) (laughs) They got beat in the state finals. That's the same same year that they beat us when I was at South Adams. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate to be on uh, Coach Esler's sidelines that state championship game, mm. even though Dave Enright thought I was there to see him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't tell Enright. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right, Ted. All right. So, yeah, we'll go on here. And this guy that I'm going to talk about next is uh, personality-wise is a little bit different than Lee Esler. Okay. <laughs> Jim Bell. Mm-hmm. Jim Bell. <laughs> Okay, 283 and 81 was his record. All right, 1957, 1957, uh, graduated, where did he graduate from? Short Ridge. Yep. Short Ridge, okay. And uh, then, then he graduated from Butler. He was in the same backfield as Enright and Dullahan oh, wow. at Butler. Hmm. Yeah. Him and uh, Enright were uh, fullback. Dullahan was the running back. Mm-hmm. And at the same, the same time that Ted Huber was playing for Ball State and the same time that I was trying to play at St. Joseph's College, which is no longer there. Right. right. We were all okay. So you guys Go played ahead. each other in college then? Is that correct? Yes. Yes. yes okay. All right. Okay. That's all right. Jim Belden was a fullback. All right, he was a he was a fullback in college and in high school. Okay, he was a past president of the IFCA, very active. Um, was always, you know, kind of one of my heroes because when he was at when I went to Hamilton Heights in 1970. Okay, he was the head coach at Noblesville. All right, that's be, that was before he. He got really good and went to Carmel, but he was a head coach at Noblesville. And I swear he would do anything for anybody. And what I know about him, he did everything for me. Any question I had, he would answer. Anytime he could help me, he would answer. Mm -hmm. And um, I was forever grateful without question. Now, he was a head coach at Westfield for three years to start with, and then he went to Noblesville. And then the last regular season game, I think it was, um, I don't know. Anyway, the last regular season game, Noblesville played Carmel, that he was at Noblesville. Oh. And he beat Carmel. Mm. Okay? 
the next week or so, Dick Dullahan leaves and uh, goes with Jim Young, and the Carmel job opens. Mm-hmm. Now, I surmise that the, one of the big reasons why he got the Carmel job is because he had beaten them the last game of the season. Yeah, sure. Okay? Because if you'll remember back then, uh, 1A was Westfield for him and all the rest of us little schools. 2A was Noblesville and 3A was Farmer. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, he won four state championships, one state runner, one state runner up. Okay. And he, he, uh, he was just, uh, he just a good guy. I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, uh, let's go on and let other people talk here, and then I'll kind of finish it up. Well, Ted, I'm indebted to him because out of the blue at the 1978 IFCA clinic, he asked me to take the job as executive secretary. Ken Kudray <laughs> was leaving and becoming the uh, principal at Southmont, and I have no idea to this day why he asked me, but I said yes, and uh, it led to a great career. But he was definitely a forerunner with the IFCA. He was the one that him and Tony Berto came up with the region plan, all the regions, 10 regions in the state, and the region officers, and and, um, really helped with the growth of the Indiana Football Coaches Association. He was was a student of the game. Boy, I tell you, you think sometimes – I used to I used to go in and talk to him a lot because we always played Pendleton a week after or two weeks after Pendleton and Noblesville would play there for three or four years when I was at Delta mm-hmm. and I'd always go in and pick his brain about the game and everything and you could just tell he was such a student and the other factor was my older brother Jim was an assistant coach for, for Coach Belton there in Noblesville for about six or seven years him and Phil Shelby and Jim all coached together, Belden. So, uh, ironically, he he didn't win a game the first year at Noblesville. Oh, wow. Right. After coming from Westfield, everything everybody was excited, but he didn't win a game that year. So Yeah, it was 0-10. Oh, yeah, my. Yeah, got it turned around. And, uh, so, it, he, he, was, he was a very influential guy. There was no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, Wow. My, my two things, Jim Belden cared about Indiana high school football and the coaches association. And whenever he talked, he talked about the playoffs or uh, how can we make football better? Also, uh, he, he was at Carmel. Coach Delahan was at Ben Davis and Al Harris was at North Central. And they had some battles, battles. Then the other thing, and I don't know whether adults are listening or not, but Uncle Dave used to give Jim and I money to go out and bring back adult beverages at our meetings. Mm -hmm. And I always had to get a certain kind of vodka for Jim. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) I don't know whether that should be on the podcast or not. (laughs) Well, I've met him on a couple occasions because of Ted. And it was usually at an uh, adult situation, and we usually all had a, adult beverages. So, but uh, oh, what Uncle a, Dave, what, what was his vodka? Absolute. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, he was absolutely yeah. an, an incredible coach. 
All right. Well, um, great man. And, uh, what a great career. And, uh, it's yep. just, uh, he certainly is on this list for a reason. And he's certainly uh, one of the legends. I, I went and met Joe Goodman and Jason Simmons at a celebration of life at Noblesville for, uh, when, uh, they had his celebration of life at Noblesville. Right. And that, that was, uh, meaningful for me to sure. be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. he, like Dave said, he was 0 and 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. And after that, during his time, which was what? 1967 to 1979. So that'd be what? 13 years. He won eight Sagamore championships in Noblesville. Wow. Yeah. All right, he won eight of the 13. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I would say. Well, um, w- one thing it speaks to, uh, I think, uh, for coaches and young coaches that are listening, that kind of thing, it takes a while to get your system ingrained into your kids, and that's exactly, obviously, what he did. He had a little trouble getting it going, but, boy, once he got it going and the kids understand what he was doing, I mean uh, – that's a uh, that's pretty uh, incredible. It's like Coach Sharp and uh, uh, talked about with the Jimmies there. Well, they just know it. Well, they know it because they were brought up into it and it was ingrained into them. And I think that's okay. an example of it. Uncle Dave, you're a Noblesville guy. Tell David Sharp how Jim Belden got that success at Noblesville. <laughs> <laughs> football, but that was back a few years different. <laughs> Yeah. Been successful, but Jim ran that uh, full team backfield an awful lot, six down inside the ten yard line. And John Mallory, one of our main people with the All Star game and everything, played fullback for him before he went to the University of Michigan in Indianapolis. And, and he'll tell you at the end of every practice, they had to run a perfect play, and. They never ran a perfect play on the first play. You know, he always found out mm-hmm. something wrong, even though they thought they did. But, mm-hmm. you know, that was double, double tight, straight G, kick out, off tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just coach the game. And, and yeah. like you said, Ted, once he got his, you know, program in line with everybody, then his success followed real quick. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when when things didn't go quite right for him offensively, he always then went to the full team. Right, yes. okay. okay. If, yes. if somebody was uh, putting a hammer on him early or something, which most people didn't, but anyway, he'd go to the full team and straighten it out. All right. Yes. And it would straighten it out. But it just during the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. 174 wins 34 losses at Carmel. Oh, wow. <laughs> 174 and 34 at Carmel. Hmm. Okay. And uh, he had a tradition. Um, you know, the, the he, he liked to celebrate. Everybody knows he liked to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, helped you know. as, that, that helped him as a councilman. Absolutely. Yeah. He became city councilman in, in Carmel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And he was just, just like Dave said, he was just, uh, he was interested in people and interested in coaching and interested in football. And he's so much different than a lot of people 
that only have eyes for whatever's best for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I've never seen a guy that had so much success when he really cared about other people more right. than himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that to me is uh, probably the best thing that I could ever say about it. Sure. Excellent. Point, you know, excellent point. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Ted, we're going to move on to uh, Gene Sartini. Rec- yes, we are. Record of two. 200- you can talk about this guy better than any of us. So. Uh, his record was 279 and 168. Went to Hammond Tech High School. Graduated in 1948. So uh, this is a little bit out of reach for me. Uh, but at any rate, uh, college, uh, he went to Louisville and nine, graduated in 1956. High school track, football, and basketball. He did all those things. He's a multiple sport athlete. Um, Louisville, he was a two-way starter. And Louisville's, in Louisville, he still owns some records, according to Coach Huber's research there. Uh, two years, he served in the U.S. Army, and uh, he was a uh, Louisville student coach um, at Flaggett High School and then Shawnee High School. Yeah. Yeah. Flaggett High School. That's oh, French. Oh, Flaggett. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't have my French uh, tuned in here, but... High school um, head coach, he was at Clarksville Providence from 1971 to 2004. That's 34 years. That's a pretty good stretch. Member of the first state playoffs and two-time state runner-up and had multiple conference championships. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2004. Uh, he passed away in um, fairly recently, 2019. Yeah, I can tell you this, that his uh, he had a heck of a football team in 1973. Uh, that was the first year of the playoffs. Right. Uh, we hosted him at Hamilton Heights. <laughs> okay. I've heard this. They had it. five guys that were division one recruits. Oh my. They had a kid named Harris. I can't remember his first name, but they had a, he was a running back and a DB and he was a really, really excellent player, which he proved the next year when as a true freshman, he started at corner for Purdue. Oh, wow. Okay, as a true freshman, he started at corner for Purdue. Mm-hmm. And we kind of dinged him up a little bit. Uh was one of the main uh, things that we did well that night. We got beat 40 to nothing, and it could have been 80. Ooh. Okay. But it was um, – and uh, he, he uh, you know, speaking of Leon Edsler, uh he was in a similar situation. Uh, he played – he played Mishawaka Marion the same time we played Providence. And I think they got beat 42 to nothing. And if we would have played Leland's team, Woodland, we'd have probably been a good game because the next week, Mishawaka Marion 21, Providence 14. Oh, wow. That was the state championship in 1973. So um, I knew Gene from 1973 on all the way through. And, uh, you know, you, you got to. You got to think about this, okay? He was at Providence all those years, okay? He could have been a lot of places, I'm sure, but he was at Providence, and uh, I bet he didn't make a dime while he was at Providence, mm-hmm. okay? So he was in it for the right reasons. Go ahead. I think the other thing, Ted, Dave, is the fact that being down there from by Jeffersonville, Clarksville, 
a lot of the state just didn't know how good his teams were, I think. Cause, you know, they just didn't get that much publicity. If you were up here in central Indiana, why the Indianapolis star, Bob Collins, uh, 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 Bob Williams, I mean, were, were writing stories all the time, featuring the good coaches and everything. And I, I think he got really overlooked a lot, his teams and everything, uh, just because they've been down there on the Ohio River. Mm-hmm. I agree. No question. Uh, I I was an assistant coach at Blackbird in 73, so we were in the state playoffs, lost to Greenfield Central. The next year, we we beat Boonville. But I remember meeting him at the IHSA different times because they, Buckshire Province, was in the playoffs, 73, and I'm pretty sure they were in at 74 also. Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Well, don't, okay, so I must pass in the early days of the playoffs. Good man, good man. Well, you know, back then we had to qualify, right? Okay, and the way and the way with the way you qualified is, you know, if you were a one A school and beat a three A, you got three right. points, right? Right, and you beat two A, you got two points. One A, you got a one point. Right. That's- well, well, we. We, uh, as I recall, after the fifth game, they had qualified for the state yeah. playoffs. Yeah. Because they had beaten Jeffersonville. They had right. beaten New Albany and all those right. guys. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I had a principal named Ray Modlin. And it's him and I, busted. he was no football busted. coach. Busted. 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 Yeah. And him and I uh, got in the car uh, the day after we – uh, beat Portland, actually, and Don Rush to qualify yeah. for the state playoffs. And we got in the car because Providence was playing Clarksville High School the next day, um, the last game of the year. And so we were going to drive down to Clarksville to watch the game, which we did. And we went down there, and um, the final score was Providence 66, Clarksville 6. <laughs> All right, we start back up uh, north. We start up to Noble uh, Hamilton County, and uh, we get gone, and uh, we stop probably twenty twenty five minutes later. You get out and get a Pepsi out of the trunk and get back in the car. And um, he looks at me and he said, "Ted, I think you might have won one game too many this year." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. As I said, it was forty to nothing. It could have been eighty. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up on our list, Ted. Is yeah, that... let's uh, see what we got here. I got Tom Kerr. Okay, we got Tom Kerr. Mm-hmm. Okay, the old fox, Tom Kerr. Tom Kerr, 278 wins, 148 losses, 140 losses. He's also a Bricky. Uh, graduated in 54, the one year after Don Howe. That's oh, wow. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. Wittenberg graduate in 1958. He, at one time or another, was the coach of the year in the Indiana Football Coaches Association. He was Early in his career, early in the career, when he went to 
you know, he was an assistant at Griffith. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then he got the head coaching job at Griffith. And then he got the head coaching job at Elkhart in 1966. Mm-hmm. Now I can tell you about that because I got a head baseball job at Elkhart mm-hmm. the spring of 67 because mm-hmm. I finally graduated and uh, <laughs> got the job mm-hmm. uh, in 1967. Uh, Dave Land, you might remember a guy named Don uh, Bartlett. Oh yeah, remember yeah. Bartlett? Well, yeah. him and him and uh, Jan Zierick kind of got in a little jam. Anyway, they lost their job at Elkhart, and um, Tom Kurtz got the job at Elkhart mm-hmm. uh, in 1966. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so when they was there, the first probably four or five years. I mean, his record was unbelievable the first four or five years. And it was Elkhart High School, Blue Blazers. Right. About what, 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 yeah. One school, right? Yep, absolutely. It was one school. It was one school. And then, and then Elkhart Memorial comes into existence. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I can remember him making a statement. And it was interesting because uh, it took him a while to get things going as Elkhart Central because uh, he didn't have as much success as he had as Elkhart High School. Mm-hmm. And he said he went from not really knowing the sophomores' names to starting six of them the next year. He said, oh, wow. Jeez. When they split schools, okay, mm-hmm. because he had lost the one school uh, identity and all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, yeah, 19... Uh, 1966 is when it started at Elkhart, and it was like five years. He was unbelievable. He was a mythical state champ two years of that, mm-hmm. of that five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and he was in a conference. He was in a conference, uh, the Northern Indiana Conference, and there was a school named Penn. Mm-hmm. in that conference, mm-hmm. okay? And his record would have been a lot better. He'd have won a lot more championships <laughs> if Penn wouldn't have been in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember, boy, that Elkhart Central was really one of the very few during the reign of terror that Penn had there in that conference because they won like 89 games in a row or something right. in that conference. Right. Penn did. Mm-hmm. And um, I can remember uh, – he was the only one. They were the only ones that really competed against Penn, mm-hmm, so true. to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that could uh, during that period of time. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, he uh, he had a son that went to Ball State as a uh, wide receiver. Ended up being a football coach, and uh, boy, he was at Elkhart for a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, a long time. Well, what uh, now? Two thousand and one. Is when he retired from Elkhart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm Kurt. Yep. Um, well, just a couple quick stories there. Of course, Ted, we played them in a playoff game. If you'll remember that snowy, it snowed. Is that, am I on the yeah, right track here? Yeah. Yeah, it snowed a couple days. Yeah, that week. Yeah. And uh, they didn't really want to even get off the bus because it was snowy and cold and all that kind of stuff. And he complained that the snow was not pushed back far enough and all that kind of thing. Anyway, it yeah. was a war. Uh, between them. they won it, I think three to nothing, Ted, one or, or six. Yeah, or something. It, was close. it was real it was low close. scoring. Uh, and uh, 
anyways, uh, and they won the game. But And then a uh, number of years later, I was on Coach Jensen's staff, and we played him in the first round of the sectional, and um, and we handed it to him. We beat him big. And uh, he was uh, talking to Giesman, told us, shared us the story of that uh, he was telling uh, – you know, Coach Giesman, all the things that were going wrong, and this was wrong, and this was, and had he done this and that, you know, he could have beat Warsaw. And uh, Giesman, of course, he wasn't everyone, anyone to ever mince with words. He said, uh, Coach, I think they could have beat you 100 to nothing if, uh, you know, they wouldn't have pulled the dogs off of him. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it wasn't a, a, a powerful Elkhart team, and uh, we were pretty good at that point, so. Uh, that well, was they one competed time we did. against each other, but oh, they sure. were not really close friends. Oh, no, because, no. Because, you know, uh, Ken thumped them all the time. Sure. And not only in the regular season game, but in the tournament at the end of the year. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was a But he, he did, he did have 39, 39 winning seasons. Yeah. Okay? Right. Uh, 39 winning seasons. And four of the last six uh, was was those that he didn't have. Okay, yeah. so in other words, boy, he had he had it rolling. Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right. He, he was he was also a very successful track coach. Yes. I remember That's true. being up there recruiting for Ball State when I was working there, talking to him about it. And I almost think he probably loved track more than football, right up there with it, because he really loved the sport of track and. Uh, that's why both teams were good because just like Eric Moore at Center Grove, he was the head, he's the head track coach there. Right. So they're out there running track and not out goofing around and getting ready for football season. So I think that's a important point that a lot of coaches ought to remember today: play those multiple sports. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you, you didn't you didn't want to uh, if you were running them in track. You didn't want to be in charge of the discus or shot put because <laughs> they would have 20 shot putters because all his linemen, and I'm not sure they had a choice, but all his linemen were on the track team. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with what uh, our friend at Center Grove has done there too. But anyway, I know that for a fact. Yeah. Right. Ted, sorry, I busted in on somebody. No, Ted, clarify. Uh, so then, Tom ended up being Evans or uh, Elkhart Central, and was that Phil T Garden then Elkhart yes. Memorial? Yes, that's yes, correct. it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now, uh, and I'm a fan. Uh, coach St. Louis is now the head coach of Elkhart High School. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So uh, they split. What would they've been like if they wouldn't have split? Who would have been out? Mm-hmm. And but then um, I wish, except when he's playing Warsaw, I wish Coach St. Louis the best at Elkhart High School. Absolutely. Following, well, um, you know, they changed their name and everything. Yeah, yeah. Elkhart Lion. Yeah, that's right. Elkhart Lion. Copy. Okay. Uh, you know what Elkhart would have been if they hadn't split them? Yes, would have been ten. Oh yes. yeah. Yes, yeah, you're right. You thought there was, yeah, it wouldn't have been one sided like it was. Right, right, right. Okay, uh, let's move on. If you guys are ready to uh, coach Bill Siderwitz, um, he was uh, had a record of two hundred and sixty nine, and that was wins and one hundred and one losses. Uh, went to high school at in Indianapolis Tech. He graduated in nineteen fifty four. 
Went to Ball State, another Ball Stater. Uh, graduated in 1961. Um, accolades, he was a high school football three-year letter winner and high school basketball two-year letter winner. Had five undefeated seasons, 11 SCC championships, 12-time SCC Coach of the Year. Wow. And uh, at Peru, um, head coach, he was an assistant there, head coach at Rensselaer, and then head coach at Martinsville, which is synonymous with his name, from 1970 to 1993, um, and that was 24 years of being there. And uh, Coach has got a note here about a program building. I'm, coach Huber does. I'm yeah, I'll talk he, about You talk that. about that, yeah. I'll talk about that. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. He brought into the Hall of Fame in 1993. Uh, he just passed away just recently within this year of 2023. He was 88 years right. old. So there yep. you have it. Coach? coach Go Huber. ahead. I'll wrap him up. Somebody wants to talk okay. about Bill. If somebody um, wants to go ahead. Uh, I have two things. I just had lunch with Vince Burpo yesterday, who was at Martinsville when Coach Siderwitz was there. Ted, do you know when he was at Rensselaer, which is St. Joseph's College, where I happened to go and play, and now it's closed on his staff? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Mention the staff there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I think it was Chris Giesman. Yep. I think uh, Dale Hummer. Hummel. Yep. Hummer. Yep. Hummer. Yeah. And somebody else. Coach Myron Dickerson was an assistant under Coach Siderwitz. Yes, he was. Yep. Siderwitz class or assistants at Rensselaer High School, mm-hmm. which now is where Chris Meeks is at. Yep. Yes. Right. Yes. Doing a great job there, too. Yes. Yep. Going into the Hall of Fame this summer. Oh, yeah. Right. Should be. That's accurate. But Good. Coach Siderwitz, uh, uh, sometimes people, he's like Bobby Knight. You either like him or you don't like him. But he uh, says here he's a program builder, and the people that played for him or coached with him are disciples. Yep. Mm-hmm. No question. All right. Okay. Um, his first year at Martinsville. Tom Sells was the head coach at Bloomington High School. 84 to nothing. <laughs> Bloomington beat Martinsville. Oh, my God. 84 to nothing. Okay. In the middle 70s, I go to Bloomington South High School. And we play Martinsville in the South Central Conference. Okay? What he did, he built his whole program on Bloomington (laughs) because of what they did to him. Okay? Now, I talked to those guys at Bloomington South when I got there. And, you know, and they said, well, there's nothing we could do about it. And I said, baloney, <laughs> you can't, you know, you got to try to, to, to beat somebody 84 to nothing. Oh, yeah. All right. But anyway, that's what he built his whole program. He had a refrigerator in the coach's office. And it was, it, I don't know how it still worked because there were more dents in that refrigerator because <laughs> every time he went by it, he'd hit it. Okay, or uh, he'd beat on it with something. Okay, uh, 
in the coach's locker room above the commode, there was a sign that said, flesh hard, it's a long way to Bloomington. <laughs> okay. And I thought it was, that's true. I saw the sign. I was in there. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, we, my first year at Bloomington, we played them twice. First, first time they beat us like 21 to 14. They were good. We were not very good. Mm-hmm. And then somebody dropped them. Somebody dropped us and in their infinite wisdom, uh, they scheduled him again. And, uh, I think it was 48 to nothing or something. And he called timeout three times, uh, at the end of the game, trying to get 50. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I had known Bill at Ball State because he was, uh, he was a baseball player. I was a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't a really good baseball player, but anyway, um, uh, I, I knew him from there. So anyway, after the game went out, met him at, at midfield, shook his hand and said, you know, congratulations, you got a heck of a football team. But I just want you to know that I don't appreciate those three timeouts. Uh-huh. And he said, you don't understand, you don't understand. I said, yes, I understand. I know it was 84 to nothing. That was 20 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever it was. We weren't here. Kids were <clears throat> kids didn't understand. You know, they're not the same kids. And let's get over it and uh, play football. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, "You don't want." You know, he kept he kept yelling at me and everything. So anyway, I start to walk away, and he grabs my arm, Ooh. and I said, "Bill, that's not a good idea because if you don't <laughs> you touch me one more time, I'm going to drop you right here." <laughs> And he, you know, let me go out mm-hmm. and um, save my job because, you know, I probably would have been fired the next day. But anyhow, um, that's the way he was with Bloomington. And for years, I mean, it, it just he just put the hammer down, boy, sure. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. And the greatest day of my coaching career at Bloomington, the last game, the last game we played Bartonsville. Mm-hmm. And we beat them fourteen to thirteen. Oh wow! Ran a two-point conversion against them, mm-hmm. and uh, you know won the game at the end. And, I mean, he was just—he was sick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was sick. <laughs> but I'll tell you what—he's a heck of a football coach. Mm-hmm. And like Dave said, uh, if you're on his side, you love him. Mm-hmm. If you if you're not on his side, you hate him. Absolutely, because uh, there's no in between. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, you know his his boy Joey has been at Center Grove. He's going into the Hall of Fame. Oh, yes. wow. and uh, you know he he's got a grandson that uh, played at Center Grove for him. And uh, oh, wow. you know the super quick artesians mm-hmm. is what they had on the press box. Oh, really? Tim Abel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Martinsville graduate. Mm-hmm. Tim Abel. Had him on the, had him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. That's all I got to say about Mr. Siderwitz. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got another story I could tell, but it's not, I couldn't tell. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. We got Coach Land who's got a, um, uh, 
some engagements he's got to get to. So, guys, I think maybe we should cut it off here. Uh, we got through six guys, and we've got uh, another uh, eight to go. Uh, and uh, that'll be the next edition of this uh, series of The Legends. If that's okay with you, Ted, and everything, we'll just uh, stop here. Whatever. And then we'll uh, uh, move on to uh, uh, the next uh, edition of the summer uh, uh, spectacular of the legends of Indiana high school football. So thanks everyone for, for listening. We'll be back in a minute to wrap things up right after this. Okay, coaches, it's summer camp season, which means you might be in market for some camp t-shirts or maybe camp awards, coaching shirts and shorts, maybe even a mini football for all your young campers. Well, Big Cat Promotions has all of this and much, much more. With over 100,000 products available, our designers can come up with something that's unique just for you. Items that will create a lasting impression on your future high school players. Big Cat Promotions can give you a quote so you can shop and compare. Call me, the Big Cat, at 574-551-5916, and let's have a super summer camp session. 574-551-5916. Big Gap Promotions is a proud sponsor of the IFCA podcast. And welcome back, everyone, to uh, this edition of the Indiana Football Coaches Association. And uh, Coach Ted Huber is with me. And, uh, Coach, we heard from uh, our panel of experts as we discuss truly these guys that are uh, legends in the sport of Indiana high school football. And uh, we got six of them under our belt, and we got more to go. So uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it, and it's just very interesting history of our state thanks to your research and, of course, uh, of course Maureen also involved in this. So it's all been good. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited about going forward with it. Uh, I thought it went well. Uh, you know, we talked about Donnie Howe, the Hobart Bricky. When you say Brickies, you think of Don Howe. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he's uh, uh, he dominated the uh, Doonland Conference for oh, years. Yeah. <laughs> True. It's hard to do, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lila Metzler uh, never played football. Uh, took a program at Woodland and just went bingo with it because after the first year for six years, he won that Allen County athletic conference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 40 some years there. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we had, uh, Belden, uh, Hamilton County, Westfield to Noblesville, to Carmel, uh, one of the best guys to prepare a football team. And I think Dave land pointed that out. Uh, that, uh, you know, Jim's preparation was, uh, second to none, mm-hmm. you know, and then we had, uh, uh, Gene Sartini, uh, stuck down there in the corner of the state and, uh, Dave Paul, but again, that, uh, you know, he didn't get as much recognition as he should because he's so far down there, but 40 years at Providence, uh, beating up on the big guys down oh, yeah. there, mm-hmm. the Jeffs and the new Albany's and, you know, and was in the first uh, state playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he beat Hamilton Heights 40 to nothing, and it could have been 80. Right. <laughs> uh, I can still remember that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Kurtz, we talked about, uh, probably the only real threat in the Northern Indiana Conference to pin all those years. Absolutely. Uh, you know, be, he got there uh, from Griffith. And in the first four or five years, uh, was his record was unbelievable mm-hmm. because he had as many players as anybody else. Mm-hmm. And then all at once, Elkhart Memorial 
came about and uh, he made a statement to me. I, I, he said, I, I can remember not knowing uh, really my sophomore players. And then all at once I was starting six of them. Right, right. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and then uh, last but not least was Bill Siderwitz, the Martinsville super artesian. Uh, you either loved him or hated him. Uh, he dominated at South Central Conference down there. Built his program on Bloomington High School, which went on to Bloomington South uh, since they beat him 84 to nothing his first year. So, right. <laughs> you know, it uh, – I thought it was. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting stuff. You know, mentioned Tom Kurth, and I remember back here when I graduated from high school in 1971. He had a guy by the name of Garvin Robinson, and uh, he was he just an incredible player. By the way, he passed away just a few months ago. I had learned that, and uh, a loss to the Elkhart community because he was uh, such a. Not only once he got done playing football, he became a community leader and uh, really was an outstanding uh, man and outstanding human being. Uh, uh, and uh, certainly a legend up there in the city of Elkhart in the surrounding area. So, but uh, yeah, that's what makes this all interesting. Is not only do we introduce you to these legendary coaches, but we give you a background. You give us background information on them, and of course, then uh, you know all of us are old enough uh, to uh, uh, share some stories and things that we've heard about these coaches, and uh, you know lived around them and and uh, participated and competed against them in some cases and things like that. So that makes it that all much more fun and interesting to be involved in. So, yeah, we've got eight more uh, in this segment of legends that were, uh, you know, deceased. Right, right. Okay, the ones that we talked about, obviously, uh, are deceased. And mm-hmm. uh, we've got eight more of them coming up. Interesting people. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk about, and we'll let Dave and Bob tell their stories, and I'll tell a few stories, and we'll just go from there. Absolutely. Sounds good, Coach. Well, I tell you what, it's uh, going to be a fun summer season here as we discuss these uh, legends of the fall. And, again, it's not the movie. It's our own real-life, real-true situation uh, of dealing with these guys that were uh, just legends in the in the sport of football in the state of Indiana and high school sports. And, uh, you know, again, all of them brought to the table uh, a, a type of leadership uh, that we expect from uh, our coaches and just uh, did an outstanding job of not only building great programs, which you'll hear about their records and some of their legendary games that they played uh, amongst each other and uh, as they went into state competition also, but you also hear about the fact that the, the human side of these guys and uh you know, just what made it fun and interesting to be around them and uh, to look to them for leadership as far as it goes to uh, any young coaches that are listening in. These are some of the guys that you want to model your career after. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Keep doing all the great things you're doing for high schoolers in the state of Indiana in football. Have a good week, everybody, and thanks for tuning in.